Ian, Ian Houghton, excuse me, and the title is You and Team Jesus. Tennis, anyone? More about that later. My old eyes here have to work extra. So hands up if you feel like God has blessed you here at this festival. Feel free to clap whenever you want to. And if you wouldn't mind, let's take a moment. Oops. Get organized again. Let's take a moment to thank all the many volunteers who worked and worked and worked to make this a fabulous peace site. Matthew used the scripture in his message, and it jumped out at me so powerfully that I decided to rewrite my sermon. So, um, the handout you're getting out there is uh, for a little bit later on. We'll get to that. But first, we'll see scriptures on the wall behind me, and uh, we'll continue to get the scriptures in the handout after a while. <clears throat> Soon we're going to leave here, and we're going to our homes. But God plans to take us to a different place. Anybody know where that is? Where's God going to take us? Where? Louder. New Jerusalem? Great. Yes. It's going to be glorious. Um, but that's not the place I'm thinking of. That place is in Revelation 20, verse 5. <clears throat> the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. And God willing, you'll all come up in the first resurrection. And I must be finished already. Wow. <coughs> You'll come up in the first resurrection, and then you'll be kings and priests and working with people for a thousand years, and then you're going to be standing with Jesus or hovering with Jesus or whatever Jesus wants to be doing at the time. There's really no point in saints and spirit beings and angelic bodies to be standing anymore. We either stand or we sit or we fall down and we lie down, but, but we're going to be there when that thousand years is finished and the second resurrection takes place. So God wants you present at the end of that thousand years when multiple billions of human beings start their second human life. It's going to include relatives of yours, great-grandparents of yours, uh, who knows, people you have known. It's going to include your you know, generations back throughout history all the way to Adam and Eve. And you're going to have an opportunity to work with them. Jesus wants us there to help convert, you're going to help me with this a little bit, billions and billions, so if I'm using two billion at a time, billions equals two billion, so stop me when you think I've got enough billions, billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. And billions, 
Basically, we don't know how many people have lived and died since Adam and Eve, do we? We really don't know. But all of them who didn't make it into the first resurrection are coming back. And it's going to be quite a crowd, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> where are you going to put them all? Are they going to be in your cities? Or where, just where are they going to be? They have to be somewhere. You resurrect them, they have to be somewhere. And you have to take care of them. That's what God wants. Jesus wants us there to help with these billions to teach them godly living and eventually help them into eternal life. So, I brought my tennis racket. How many of you have ever played tennis, table tennis, or racquetball? Anybody? Yeah, okay. So I don't really have to explain how that works. That's good. Um, <clears throat> hands up if you've ever played spiritual tennis. Okay, that's good. All right. I'm not sure what she means, but let's work with this. <clears throat> All right. Basically, spiritual tennis goes like this. Jesus is the coach, and he teaches you how to play spiritual tennis. And he starts by sending you love. He's serving, and he sends you a tennis ball, maybe, but a spiritual tennis ball, which is love. Anybody feel like Jesus has sent you love? Yeah. Right? And, and that's a powerful, powerful thing, and that's what he's doing, and that's what he is. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> he teaches us to receive love. So he serves, love comes over the net, and we receive the, let, the, the love. Now what do we do with the love <clears throat> once we receive it? We send it back to him. Right? So do we just do that once and call it quits? Or do we keep on playing for the rest of our lives? We keep on receiving love from Jesus through his words, through his actions, through the miracles he does for us. And we keep on sending that love back through prayer, through Bible study, through serving other people. Jesus is our tennis coach and he wants to teach us how to send love to other people. Now, the two greatest commandments, Jesus says, are <clears throat> love God with all your heart and soul and mind and being and love others as yourself. <clears throat> so, he wants us receiving his love, learning about his love, sending his love out to other people, and then to teach them how to play spiritual tennis. So, the messages we've heard uh, around Christ, and Christ is love. So later Jesus sends out us to coach others in spiritual tennis. And I tried to make it as simple as possible. Of He sends it to us, we receive it, which most people don't. They don't receive his words. They love the, the outline, they love the concept of Jesus. They love the idea of going to heaven when they die. They love... It's going to be paradise. It's going to be wonderful. They love that. But they don't like his words. They like some of his words. And when it gets down to the nitty-gritty words, they don't like them at all. No man has ascended to heaven. They don't like that. Right? Uh, John 3.16. No one will perish but have everlasting life. They don't like that because they're taught everybody gets immortality. You're either immortal and live forever in hell being tortured. What a wonderful thought that is, right? Or you're in heaven with Jesus forever and ever. But they don't pay close attention to what Jesus says. So 
our greatest challenge as kings and priests for Jesus will be converting the masses of selfish human beings of which we used to be. If, raise your hand if you used to be a selfish human being. See? You're honest. You're, you're, you're learning. You're doing, you're doing great. I didn't ask if you're selfish right now. We'll leave that for another day. Right? Um, but we've got to teach them before the hundred year period ends. And, you know, people like Hitler will come up. And I, if Jesus can't find anybody else to work with Hitler, I'll gladly work with Hitler. Hitler had a horrible childhood. Lots of people had horrible childhoods. And in a hundred years, you can walk with and talk with and explain things to people, touching on the things they have loved and expanding on what they have loved into loving for all eternity. In Isaiah 65, 20, the sinner being a hundred years older shall be accursed. The translators gave it to us as hundred years old, which, which blurs the meaning, right? Because it says the child being a hundred years old. Well, wait a minute. A child isn't a hundred years old. How does that work? It just means the child who comes back to life in the second life lives another hundred years. So the child lives a hundred years and a hundred years older and old men come back up and they might already be a hundred. Whoops, they're done, right? So they're already a hundred years. God gives them another hundred years. So everybody gets a hundred years and you as kings and priests get a hundred years to work with them. Now, it'll be difficult because they're selfish human beings and some of them are going to say nobody's ever going to tell me what to do which is what a two-year-old pretty much says right no i don't not going to do that right so you've got a hundred years to work with them but there's billions and billions and billions of them but you've got a heavenly angelic body and a, and a god spirit being brain and God will be helping you, right? Jesus will be there. The Father will be there. But this is our greatest challenge. <clears throat> now you're all going, <clears throat> well, that's, uh, that's like, um, that's a thousand and ten years ahead of us now. So why worry about it now? Well, because you're practicing it now. You're receiving love. You're sending love back to God. You're receiving love from God and you're sending love to other human beings. And so you're practicing it. And like I say, Matthew blew my mind when he showed this Matthew 21, 43 verse. The kingdom of God will be taken from you, meaning the Pharisees and Sadducees that he was talking to. And in another place he said, the harlots go into the kingdom before you do. This is not the way to win friends and influence people, right? So, and you can understand now why they wanted to kill him, because he was messing with the swamp, and and they didn't like that, and they they think he's got to go. We got to kill him. <clears throat> and then the verse goes on and says, and given to a nation or peoples, bearing the fruit of it, or bearing kingdom fruit. And that's what, we are to, that's what we're doing now. We're bearing kingdom fruit. Jesus wants us bearing kingdom fruit. So what is kingdom fruit? 
Let's consider two kinds of kingdom proof. John 4.35 Lift up your eyes, said Jesus. The fields are already white with harvest. Verse 36 He who reaps and re receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may joy rejoice together. So, <clears throat> by working on yourself, you are preparing eternal fruit. Because when you cross over into the kingdom, you're one eternal fruit. So, that's pretty important. We all, we all like that one. We, we all want to be there, right? And then there's other people that we are influencing, right, to be in the kingdom of God. If you've ever helped anyone be baptized and grow, think about that a minute. Raise your hand if you've ever helped anybody be baptized and grow in God's church. Have you ever helped anybody? So a lot of you are going, mm, no, I don't know, I don't know. The fact that they come to church week after week and they see your example, you're helping them, right? Unless you're a crazy person, right? And, of course, we don't have any of those people here today, right? So that's kingdom fruit. God wants billions and billions, and I could go on, billions in his future God family, which is not the way we see it. But then God is far greater, far, far bigger wants a much, 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 much bigger family of children than we can grasp. And it dawned on me 20, 30, 40 years in the church that there's a, a psalm that says the heavens out there in the solar system and beyond in the universe, the heavens declare the glory of God. So if you've ever, we, we heard about the Hubble telescope and traveling through space. If you watch Star Trek, if <clears throat> out there in the universe, God went to an extreme amount of effort to create a limitless universe, because we still haven't found the end of the universe. They put the Hubble telescope up there and they said, now we will find the end of the universe. And guess what? They found more universe. And so why did he, why did he make it so huge, so awesome, so majestic? to declare the glory of God. And the fact that God the Father and God the Son want to share eternity with billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of people and really doesn't want to lose anybody. And so the toughest job, the toughest work we're going to have is working with brand new selfish people who died and came back up. People in the thousand years in the millennium, they're going to be shell-shocked. We, we heard a couple of scriptures on that during the feast. They're going to be shell-shocked. They will have lived through World War II, World War III, some through World War II, World War III, nuclear war, the tribulation, the seventh trumpet, which is for us greatly, great joy, and for, for the world, it's, it's the third woe it's going to be. It's going to be mind-boggling, right? White horses, and then seven last plagues, and then the Battle of Armageddon, and then you all get yourself to the Feast of Tabernacles or else. <laughs> so a lot of those people will be shell-shocked, and it'll be like, um, yes, sir, whatever you want. Whatever you want. 
Okay, you're going to come over here. We're going to take care of you. Yes, please. Yes, please. Take care of me. Right? So, so those people will, and Satan will be locked up. So Satan's gone. And the beast power's gone. And all you've got left are spirit beings and angelic beings and God the Father and God the Son. And, and Jesus comes out to speak on that first day of the first Feast of Tabernacles of the thousand years. And he's going to say unimaginably wonderful things. But some of it will be based on what we're going to do with these people for a thousand years. And then what we're going to do with the billions and billions and billions and billions that come up afterward. So by the end of a thousand years of working with nice people, right? they'll still have selfishness, but working with those, you're going to learn a great deal about helping them overcome their selfishness, which you're doing now. You're working with yourself and you're helping overcome selfishness. And if you've got children or grandchildren, you're working with grandchildren and so on, helping them overcome selfishness. And, and it's like, it, it never goes away. Every morning you wake up and boom, there it is. It's right back again, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just reach in there somewhere and turn a switch off? I'll never be selfish again. Whew, what a relief, you know? But it's always there, and it's part of the battle, and it's part of the... Practice. Now, when you, when you play tennis, are you a master at tennis the first time you pick up a racket and go out on the court? Or do you need to practice and practice and practice and practice? And those who become really top of the class of their line, they practice a lot. And we're practicing a lot. And so when we're in the kingdom and some human being says, well, you got it easy. You, do, you look at you, you're all shiny and you've got a spirit brain and everything. You've got no cares in the world. It's like, yeah, but I played spiritual tennis for a long time. And Jesus helped me overcome, and I'm going to help you overcome. And then at the end of the thousand years, we're all going to help billions and billions and billions and billions overcome their selfishness. Now, sadly, the, the indicator is that we're not 100% successful, which is kind of sad, but we're going to do the best we can, and God realizes that there are people, you may have met some of them already, who just will never let someone else rule them. And for me, the best person to have rule me is the Father and Jesus. Yes, please rule me, because I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, you know, from day to day. Help me, help me. So they want billions in their future family, so they created today the eighth day this is not the feast of tabernacles they created today it's one of seven high holy days holy convocation days and they want us to focus on that like we focused on the other festivals throughout the year and in Leviticus 23 verse 6 on the handout it says seven days you shall offer and on the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, a sacred assembly, and you shall do no customary work. And that's about it. So God didn't want, didn't need for the ancient people to fully understand why an eighth day. God said, do it. And they said, we got to do it. And they did it. And then came the book of Revelation. The rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. 
And then the valley of dry bones. The bones came together and Jesus says, I'm the one who brought you up out of the grave. And, and now I'm going to expect you to live by the words of God. In, so your kingdom fruit glorifies the Father. The fruit you bear getting yourself into the kingdom glorifies the Father. The fruit you bear helping others get into the kingdom glorifies the Father. John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciple. So, so in our daily, monthly, weekly life we should say, I've got to get out there and bear some more fruit. But it's, it's a little vague as to... I know what an apple is, and I know what an orange and a banana is. I can bear those kind of fruit, you know. But, but what do you mean, you know, I'm going to go create some fruit? It's, it's like, read the book, do what the book says, and you'll be bearing fruit, fruit, and you'll be glorifying the Father. Matthew 13, 23. He who receives seed in the good ground is he who hears the word, and almost nobody hears the word. They hear a little bit of the Bible, but they don't hear Passover, unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, that's crazy. Who would want to do that, right? They don't hear the 50 days of Pentecost. They don't hear trumpets. They don't hear Feast of Tabernacles, Day of Atonement. Sure, they don't want to hear Day of Atonement, right? That's so popular in the church. People just jump up and down and rejoice. And my kids would sit in the back of the car when they were little, and they were stone silent. It's the only time in the year that my three children sat in the back of the car and said nothing. And I joked with my wife, we've got to turn the car around and go back and get the kids. We must have left them behind because I don't hear them in the back seat. And, uh, but, you know, they, they grew up to hang in there and they do the Day of Atonement and they're blessed for it. And in a sense, my wife and I have them as part of our eternal life fruit. You know, um, which, which is great joy. And as you, those of you who have been that path, you know that is a great joy. So, he who receives seed in the good ground is he who hears the word, pays attention to what Jesus is saying and teaching, and understands it. Notice, they, they hear the plan, and then they work to understand the plan. And the plan is, to bring those billions and billions and billions of dead people out of the grave and help them along the same pathway that you're traveling. And you're overcoming yourself and your selfishness and you're playing spiritual tennis with Jesus. I hope, you know, and, and I hope you can get that picture in your mind. When you go in prayer, you go boldly before the throne of grace. They say it. They say it. They want you to do it. They want you to visualize that you have the privilege to go to prayer and you, you know, it's like you're putting a call in or a text in to heaven and they go, boom, quick, open the channel. Yes, my son, my daughter, my child. What have you got to say today? I'd love to hear from you. And you don't hear them saying back, but you can tell yourself that's what they're saying back because they tell us in other places that's what they're saying back. They love to hear from us. And they want to help us in every possible way. It says, and they bear fruit, some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And I don't exactly know what that is. If you know, please come and tell me afterwards. But 
I want to aim for a hundredfold fruit. And, and that just means try and make every day a fruitful day. And if it's only 30-fold, okay, I did the best I could and I got a 30-fold and I'm in the kingdom and I bore some fruit and I glorified the Father. In, in that wonderful um, chosen set of films that we've been watching, Jesus is almost always smiling. I love it. But what did Jesus have to worry about? Right? Except, except down to that last day or two. Right? But, but he knew where he came from. He knew what he was doing. He was happy to be doing what he was doing, even though it was going to cost him everything. And he knew that the Father was with him at all times, except for that last few moments on the stake. He knew the Father was with him, and he knew that he was doing what the Father wanted done. He was playing spiritual tennis with the Father. And he would look up to the heavens as he walked along, and he'd just, hey, Dad, this is happening today, you know? He'd go out early in the morning to pray. Um, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights to get it all started. So, so he played spiritual tennis. He overcame the temptation to sin unbelievably successfully. The next time you see a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, or a nine-year-old boy, ask yourself, I wonder if that boy has ever sinned. You, you know the answer. In Jesus' case, he never sinned. He was so in tune with playing spiritual tennis with the Father. He was focused and riveted on what he was on earth to do and to say and to accomplish. And, and like I say, I just, I just love that the actor in that chosen film is, is almost everywhere smiling. And I, I talked to a friend, an old friend, a way old friend, who used to be a Church of God minister couple of weeks ago, he said he didn't believe most of the Bible, kind of didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Um, he was turned off by a lot of ministers and a lot of church people who had done him wrong. And he felt like if we destroyed the planet, it would eventually regenerate itself. And, you know, it was like his brain is shot. And the best I could come up with is I just, I just smiled at him and I said, in the future, you and Jesus are going to get together and he's going to help you through this. Right? And in the, in the second resurrection, do you all realize that they all see the face of Jesus on day one? Do you realize that? If you, if you read Ezekiel 37 slowly and, and read between the lines, three or four times it says, you, bones, people, will know that I am the one that just brought you out of your graves. So, and it says, prophesy to the bones that they hear what I'm saying. So maybe the bones are actually hearing what he says. I know you're all saying, well, that's impossible. Bones don't have ears, <laughs> right? But the whole point is, once they're fully human again, they're going to know that he, I expect they'll all be looking at the face of Jesus, was the one who just brought them out of the grave. 
Now, you know, a valley full of dry bones is, yeah, that's okay, that's pretty good, that's pretty big, right? But billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of people just met Jesus face to face, which is what we will do, God willing, on trumpets. When we're the, if we're dead, we'll come out of the graves and we'll go up first, and if we're still alive, we'll go up second, and we'll meet Jesus face to face, and we'll be married to Christ, and we'll be with Christ forevermore, and we'll be starting out on our new jobs of kings and priests and teaching and helping people learn spiritual tennis for a thousand years, but keeping in mind that the heavy-duty work starts on day eight, on the eighth day, when billions show up with rotten attitudes. Right? I mean, you know children that sometimes have rotten attitudes. You know adults that sometimes have rotten attitudes. Right? A lot of these people died with a sword stuck into their chest. That was their last moment on earth, the first time. And, you know, some of them were tortured. Some of them were in prison. Some of them were hung. Some of them had the guillotine cut their heads off. So, so they're suddenly alive. They've still got the memory of who they were and what it was like back then. And, and some of them are panicky. Some of them want to find a stick and make a sword out of it and kill somebody. So, so it's like, but Jesus is going to see them face to face. And I think that's going to have a mesmerizing effect. One, you, you just watched your bones come out of the ground and the grave, and you watched all the adjustments until finally you're all put together. Now, you might still be naked, because it doesn't really say whether he clothes them or not. So, you know, they'll be somewhat humbled, and they'll be put together, and they'll see his face, and he'll say, I just brought you out of the grave, so listen up. Right. So, but, but any time you meet Jesus face to face, it's going to be a good day. And for us in the first resurrection, it's going to be a good day for all eternity. Because we never leave his side after that. The eighth day, the hundred year period, is our last chance to bear much human fruit and to convert people to God's way of life. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach, announce, tell. Okay. Preach, if I ask you to put up your hand, if you're a good preacher, almost nobody would put your hand up, right? Preach in the old, in the old days, back in 2,000 years ago, it meant to announce. It meant to tell. It meant to tell the story. How many of you can tell stories? Are any of you storytellers? Can you teach your children stories? You know, we can be storytellers. Every one of you have the ability to be a storyteller. So, preach, teach, announce, tell the story, the gospel, to every creature, meaning to all people. You don't have to teach it to possums and coons and stuff like that. That'd be a kind of waste of the time. Verse 16 of Mark 16, he says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's, that's pretty simple, right? You have to hear the message from Jesus. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you to make a covenant through baptism. And if you're faithful unto death, you'll be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Right? And many have not believed, and they went into the graves, and they come back out, and they'll have a serious opportunity to get with the program. And I expect some of them will be kicking themselves in the backside for saying, I could have had a V8. Right? Or I could, have, I could have been with the program, and I just didn't think, I thought Herbert was all, all you know, wet. That's right, all wet. Right? 
And, and Herbert wasn't perfect. And Ted wasn't perfect. And no human being you'll ever meet is perfect. Jesus is perfect. And his word is perfect. So cling to his word, don't cling to human beings. Here is how the final hundred year period begins. Revelation 20 verse 5. The rest of the dead live not again till a thousand years were finished. Second resurrection. Verse 7. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Which we could ask, God, I'm not sure that's a good plan. But since God knows what he's doing, and we're not really sure, right? We have been tested by Satan. We live in a hyper-satanic world. If you go into the internet, you can find some satanic stuff that you don't even want to think about, right? So, verse 8, and we'll go out to deceive the nations. And now he's been deceiving the nations for 6,000 years, and look where we are. We're about to destroy the planet, except Jesus plans to get here just before we destroy the planet. And point out to us that we weren't as clever as we thought. We didn't know how to rule and govern ourselves. We didn't know how to be nice to people on a governmental level. And so we got to the point where we almost destroyed the planet, and he steps in and he says, that's it. No more war, no more weapons of war, no more nuclear weapons. We're going to live at peace from now on forevermore. Right? So, <laughs> to deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth, Gog, Magog, and gather them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. Now, I don't know how many sand of the sea number that is, but that's got to be more than a few. That's, that's got to be a lot of people. Hope it's hope it's not billions, but, you know, God... God allows that some people are just not going to have him rule them no matter what. Which is, it's insane, but some people are insane. Verse 9, verse Revelation 20. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them, lake of fire, second death, gone. Which I can only conclude is that we kings and priests weren't able to get to everybody. Which is kind of sad. But if we got to most everybody, right? Say we got to all the billions except one last billion, sand of the sea. Then that's, that's a lot of people in God's future family. That's a lot of fruit. That's a lot of glorifying God the, God the Father. So those who die in this lake of fire event will have judged themselves worthy of eternal death. They can't be happy serving Jesus Christ, knowing Jesus Christ, playing spiritual tennis with Jesus Christ, you know, and, and you know, through prayer and Bible study, he wants to send you love and have you return the love and send you love and return the love. And then he wants you to go out and coach other people to receive the love of Jesus Christ that you're pointing out to them and then have them return that to God the Father and, and meet the criteria of love God with all your heart and soul and mind and being and love your neighbor as yourself, which is a tall order. But it works. It works and it has eternal benefits. You know, it's out of this world. The benefits are out of this world. So, <clears throat> verse 13 shows the beginning of the hundred years. Revelation 20:13. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. And they live another hundred years. Right? And God doesn't always make clear... Right, if you, if you remember, maybe you don't, but you should. 
Genesis 1 says God created, right? Genesis 2, I'm sorry, Genesis 1-1, God created. Genesis 1-2, and it was Tohu and Bohu. Uh-oh, what happened? One verse later, and it's all gone to pieces, right? Because there's a whole bunch of time in between those two verses. So God doesn't give us every, because he's writing a mystery. And how are we going to learn the mystery? We play spiritual tennis with Jesus. And we ask, you know, I'm studying this verse, and I'm having trouble with this verse. Help me with this verse. Does he want to help you? Of course he wants to help you. He wants you to be the best you can be so that you can bear as much eternal fruit as possible and bring as many people as soon as possible into his kingdom and his family. Isaiah 65, 20 says, The child shall die a hundred years older. Makes a lot more sense. But the sinner being a hundred years older than when he was first resurrected in the second resurrection shall be accursed, shall be tricked by Satan into attacking the camp of the saints and the lake of fire will come down and there'll be no more human beings. And, and the death and, death and the Hades, the grave, will be thrown into the lake of fire because there are no more human beings to die. There are no more human beings to put in graves. Human beings come to an end. So human beings will be in one of two places. This is the eighth day. God is saying, I'm merciful. I give you lots of latitude. I give you opportunities. I want you to get a hold of this. But if you don't, I'm going to come back and try again. But if you don't get it the second time, you're going to be happy not being unhappy. You're going to be gone. And, you know, you would think as spirit beings, we could point this out to people, Hitler, whoever, over a hundred year period, and, you know, just sort of show up every day. Hey, let's go for a walk in the garden. Oh, you again. Yeah, listen, do you like living? Was there anything you liked in your old life? Yeah, I liked ice cream. Okay, great. Here, have some ice cream. You know, is there anything you like about this new life? Well, yeah, I like sunrises and sunsets. Yeah, yeah. So wouldn't you like to see more of that? Wouldn't you like to experience life forever, evermore? Yeah, I would. So why wouldn't you want to worship and serve God? No, nobody's ever going to tell me what to do. So you've got 100 years times, what, uh, 365 and a quarter days to work with the person, and, and you'll be spirit being. So you won't have to have one-on-one -on -one conversations. Right? Time, time won't apply to you. Isn't that going to be great? That's, that's Star Trekky, isn't it? It's like you can, you can be in different places, right? And, and, and you will have God power. God will be helping you. Jesus will be guiding you. The Father will be encouraging you, right? And, and you can meet with people and say, listen, listen, you don't want to commit suicide. This is going to be bad. You don't want to do this. And, and hopefully, in a hundred years' worth of working with people, most of the people you're working with are going to be in God's family for all eternity because God wants a billion, 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 a big family. Bigger than the family you can even mentally comprehend. Verse 60, uh, 21 of Isaiah 65. They, okay, this is, this is the verse right after verse 20. Right? So... The, the sinner being a hundred years old, older, will be accursed. The very next verse is verse 21. They, who, who that? Who do they? Verse 20. The people that came out of the grave at the beginning of the second resurrection. They, 
we'll build houses. Oh, a lot of people teach it's the judgment day. Hey, you, Mr. Smith, guilty, gone, down to hell. <laughs> Which is, wait a minute, that doesn't work. Because if you didn't love Jesus and you died, you already went to hell. So I guess they'd have to bring them back from hell. You know, and don't you suppose the judgment, the, the courtroom would be air-conditioned? They'd, they'd come into the courtroom, right? They'd say, oh, oh, thank God. I'm no longer in hell where there's no air conditioning. I'm here in the courtroom. Guilty. Back to, back to hell. It's like, all right, I don't make any sense. But God makes sense. Everything God says and does, it, it makes sense. Right? And we, it's going to be our jobs. Easier at the beginning. Difficult now. Anybody think being a good Christian is really easy? Anybody? 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 No, we're, we're, you know, we have to struggle with ourselves. It's effort. You know, if you play a couple of, you know, rounds, what do you call it? It's been a long time since I played tennis. Um, set. 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 Okay, so you play a couple of sets of tennis, you wore out. Right? You need to rest. You need to get, it takes effort. It takes energy. Right? So, they will build houses and inhabit them and plant vineyards and eat the fruit. How long does it take to plant a vineyard and eat the fruit? Anybody know? Google will tell you. Three or four years. It takes time for the vineyard to settle in and start producing good fruit. So, and they shall not build and another inhabit. Throughout history, this tribe has built something and this other tribe came roaring over there, killed them all and lived in their houses. Right? They shall not plant, and somebody else eat what they planted. For the days of the tree, so shall it be the days of my people. This last pit is wonderful. And my elect, raise your hand if you think you're going to be one of the elect. One, two, three, four, five. Did you all come to the Feast of Tabernacles this year? Okay, let's try this again. Raise your hand if you think you're going to be one of the elect. Yeah, okay, right. So, so, my elect, says God, shall long enjoy the work of their hand. What period of time are we talking about? A hundred year period. The second resurrection. And what are we going to be doing? Teaching them spiritual tennis. It's like we might teach them real tennis too. They might enjoy tennis. So play a couple of rounds of tennis. Let them win a time or two, you know. But, but help them get the, the picture that this is, you know, it's suicide not to join Jesus and his team and live for all eternity. And there's only two choices. And, and so, you know, but like I say, it's going to be hard work, but you're going to be, you're practicing now, you're being an overcomer now, which might be the hardest because you're fighting yourself, right? And then in the kingdom, not so hard, because no Baptist church, no Catholic church, um, Sabbath every week. Um, you know, we're the police force. We, we're the kings and priests and leaders. And, and it's like, you know, okay, let's all be friendly. Let's have nice families. Let's grow corn. Let's, let's feed the family, have goats, and, you know, take care of family. And, and, and no more war. Hey, I'd like to have a war. No, sorry, we're not having wars, right? And, and so you work with them. And they prepare for the billions and billions and billions that are coming out of the ground. These people are going to have houses when they come out of the ground. 
right? They can't build a house one afternoon. You bring them up in the morning and say, okay, you're all feeling strong, go build a house. You know, and be ready for tonight. And oh, you'll need some groceries. So, so there are gigantic the, you know, problems to solve, but you'll have a thousand years to work on it. And Jesus will give you pointers and guides. And, and how are we going to do this? This is how we're going to do this, right? So, um, <clears throat> death and Hades delivered the, the dead who were in them, and they were judged according. Um, death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. So, so again, we skip through a period of time. So you've, you've got to take here a little, there a little, and you've got to work your way through different scriptures to see what exactly is going on. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. No more humans. Everybody, all humans are now gone. They either joined the God family, they joined Jesus' team for all eternity, or they're dead forever. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So the kings and priests and teachers on Jesus' team will be teaching, believe in Christ, receive the love of Christ, right? Return the love of Christ to the Father and then return God's love to other people. Learn to love your neighbors, love yourself, believe in Christ, be baptized and be saved, right? But you have to fight and struggle and overcome yourself and work through you know, the problems that are going to come your way. So, <clears throat> when we join the Jesus team, we need to learn to think like Jesus thinks. And that's through Bible study. And I, I love to read one verse and then mentally say, Jesus, do I fully understand this? Is there more to this verse than I'm seeing? And, and, and I try to, you know, read between the lines and between the words and, and understand how this all fits the huge, big picture. And, uh, and you know, I, I believe he helps me, right? I've, I've seen things over the 50 years that other people haven't taught me, worldwide never taught me. And, and at Worldwide, you got to a certain level, okay, you know everything now, so just keep coasting. Coast on your way into the kingdom, right? So Ezekiel 18.32 shows us how Jesus thinks. Um, it says, I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. And this is kind of like we can make a song out of this for the last hundred years. Turn from your wicked ways and live for all eternity. Verse 11, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now we do. And you could say, no, we don't. But we do. We watch TV and movies, and the horrible, nasty, wicked, murdering, raping villain might die in a hail of bullets, and we go, justice! I'm glad he's dead. Right? And nationally, when Saddam Hussein was killed, we were glad, right? And that other guy in Iran, it's like the enemies of America are dead, yay, right? God doesn't see it that way. God doesn't want to lose anybody, right? And so he wants kings and priests to teach spiritual tennis and work with as many people and get as many people into the kingdom as possible and lose as few as possible people. But 
you know, you're going to be working on this tomorrow and next week and next month and all year, come back for another piece of tabernacles, and then eventually you're going into the first resurrection, and Jesus is probably going to say, we've got a lot of work to do, right? And what is that work? It's teaching people to bear fruit. Verse 11, so as I say, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die? And we're going to borrow from this language in the last hundred years in teaching and helping people. But, but we can learn from it now. We can apply it to our lives now. We can tell it to ourselves. You know, don't be stupid. And, and I wish my friend who used to be a Church of God minister, I wish he would focus on this. It's like this whole thing is real. It is real. We're reminded every Sabbath that it's real. We're reminded, reminded looking at the universe, looking at trees, looking at animals, looking at, looking at the creation. We heard about that in one of the messages. We look at the creation. The whole thing is real. And the way the Bible teaches it, it makes sense. It's now the way the Christian churches teach us, it doesn't make sense. And that's why we do Feast of Tabernacles, because that's how we stay on the straight and narrow. And they say, you know, give your heart to Jesus, whatever that means, and go to heaven when you die, when Jesus says you're not going to heaven. It's like, Jesus, you're wrong. We're going to heaven. It's like, lots of luck, right? I won't be there. I'm coming down here, right? So when we become kings and priests and teachers, our biggest job is going to be converting souls for Jesus. And the toughest time, once we are spirit beings, will be in the 100-year period. Revelation 2.26, he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end. That's what we're doing now, working on ourselves, working on our children, working on our grandchildren, working on people that are in our church, working on our neighbors, right? And, and I, I'm, I'm going to go this year and take the chosen, the, the mental picture I have of the Jesus on the chosen film, smiling. It's going to work out great. Oh, yes, we're going to have World War III, but it's going to work out great. And we're going to have nuclear war, but, but it's going to work out great. And then we're going to have the tribulation. It, it's going to work out great. And then there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And, and it's just going to work out great. And then Jesus will stand up at the first day of the first piece of tabernacles. And he's going to say, it's going to work out great. I have a plan. You're all part of the plan. And thank you so much for coming and being part of the plan. And you've got your ten cities here and your five cities over there. And make these people live happy, godly, you know, bringing up children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And, oh, we're going to be building, you know, log cabins for billions and billions and billions and billions of people. How many log cabins is that? Goodness. But we're going to be working. They're going to be working. Right? So he said, Luke 19, 17, he said to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Have authority over ten cities. So, okay, here's a clue. Those who were faithful, worked hard in this life, get to be over ten cities. When I first read this years, a long time ago, I said, yeah, I don't want ten cities worth of people. Goodness, people are nasty, right? I, you know, one city would be enough, you know. But, 
But, you know, if you love working with people and you've got special spirit being powers, everything is going to work out good. <laughs> it isn't going to hurt you and you're going to be able to help them, right? The second guy, he said, you'll be over five cities. So they worked hard, they bore fruit, and they got rewarded according to the fruit they put in in their first physical life. I'm afraid a lot of people are going to end up in the, in the first resurrection. Uh, Steve and I were looking at a scripture. It said, their work will be, the work they built will be tested by fire. They built out of hay, wood, and stubble. And it'll be burned up, and they'll suffer loss, but they'll still be in the kingdom. It's like, ah. So they don't get a reward in the kingdom. They just get into the kingdom. And then the others who built out of gold and silver and, and precious stones, they get a reward. So, shoot, I'm... I want to find some gold and silver, and, and, and I, want a, I want a reward. I want, you know, and these guys got you know, ten cities and five cities, and that's all Jesus says. Presumably, some people get one city. And what if some people get a hundred cities? And how many cities does King David get? All the cities of Israel. King David comes back, and he's vice president under Jesus, and he's in charge of all Israel. How many cities is that? Whew. But David had a heart after God. So what will we do with our power over the nations and the cities? Jesus will raise the dead in the second resurrection, and our heavy-duty work will begin. John 5, 28. The hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice. <laughs> Two billion Jesus-following people do not believe this verse. Hopefully we do, Right? All those are in the graves. They say, you die in Jesus, you go straight to heaven. Whoopee. Right? Or, you die not in Jesus, you go straight to hell. Yeah. Right? There are no people in the graves. Oh, wait. Jesus says, all the people are in the graves. Well, who are these people that are in the graves? Next verse. 29. It says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life. So, there are dead people in the graves who've done good, and they're coming up to the first resurrection. Right? And those who've done evil to the resurrection of, death, of condemnation, judgment, day eight begins. So the good people are in the graves, and the evil people are in the graves. So who's in heaven? Nobody. They just, they just have to read what Jesus says and believe what Jesus says and keep the Feast of Tabernacles and keep the eighth day and keep the Sabbath, and keep learning, and keep playing spiritual tennis with Jesus, and asking for more knowledge. And study, and they'll get more knowledge. And if you've got a grandchild that's giving you trouble, ask God to help you get more understanding on how to help your grandchild, whatever. Earlier I mentioned the second kind of kingdom fruit. Most of us have been doing this kind of fruit for years and years. This kind of kingdom fruit comes from overcoming and practicing the right ways of God. As kings and queens, <coughs> the, the Bible could be better translated. Does God only want kings and do all the ladies have to become kings? It's like, because once you're in God's realm, you're not really a guy or a gal anymore. <laughs> you're, you're God. You're a God child, right? Anyhow, so kings, queens, priests and priestesses, you will be <coughs> great at teaching others what you're practicing now. Overcoming. Practicing righteousness. 1 John 3, 7. 
Little children, let, it, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Well, okay, that's simple. And just as he is righteous, just as God is righteous. 1 John 3.10, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So, you be careful who you work with, what, what, who you make agreements with. Nor is he who does not love his brother. You cannot hate your brother. No matter what your brother does, you cannot hate your brother. And in you know, 10,000 years from now, whatever your brother did to you today, next week, last year, doesn't matter. Your life is going to work out really well. And hopefully your brother will, too. But you don't need to get after your brother here, and now you've got to be forgiving, you've got to love him. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We're kidding ourselves. And we do not practice the truth. We should also be good at teaching others about overcoming. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Which is a daily effort for all of us. And we should be reminding other people we need to be doing. And we should remind people that God has the perfect plan. And doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, it's going to work out great. And you can tell them some of the horrors. They can say, yeah, I can see that happening. Right? Yeah, but God's going to work it out. It's going to be good on the other side. Right? And all those people who come back in the second resurrection, Jesus is going to be kind and merciful and gentle with them. He's going to lead them. And they're at last going to hear true truth instead of garbage. And they're going to learn good ways of living and not horrible ways of living. So, John, 1 John 5, 4. Um, whatever is born, begotten of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. And our faith is, if Jesus said it, it's true. And we work with what's true. And if Jesus said the opposite of what everybody believes, then they're wrong. And we, you know, we go the God way. And he said, almost nobody's going to follow my way because they're going to reject me, left, right, and center. Most of the preachers and teachers will be wrong. And people read that in their Bible and they go, well, most of the preachers and teachers are right. Like, yep, and that's where you made your mistake. They're not. They're teaching you wrong. I saw, you know, clipped on the channel and a whole bunch of people are up there preaching left, right, and center. And they're not doing eighth day. They're not doing Feast of Tabernacles. They're not doing Sabbath. And they're not going to be in the first resurrection unless they repent of the preaching of the two witnesses. Right? So... He who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and believes what he said. Two billion people believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Boom. Off to heaven we go. No. You have to believe what he says. And you have to know what he says. And you have to study what he says. And then you have to do what he says. Revelation 2.11. If you ever hear to hear what the Spirit says, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Eighth day. End of the hundred year period. Lake of fire. He who overcomes and keeps my works, my words and my works, till the end, faithful until the end, I will give him power over the nations to teach them how to play spiritual tennis. Love God, you know, receive God's love, send love to other people, receive love from other people. It's a fabulous plan. Revelation 3.21, he who overcomes, I'll grant to sit with me in my throne as I came and sat down with my father on his throne. So Jesus had to overcome. And he sat down with his father. And he said, now that I have overcome, 
I'm teaching you, you overcome, and you'll sit with me on my throne. And this is how it's working. And it's like, wow, next to Jesus on the throne, you're going to be in the royal family doing the royal family bidding. In the days ahead of us, God is going to cause explosive church growth. How many of you believe that? Before, this, before trumpets, between now and trumpets, there's going to be explosive church growth. He did this 2,000 years ago, Acts 2.41, 3,000 were baptized in one day. Acts 2.47, the Lord added to the church daily. Acts 4.4, many who heard believed some 5,000 men on this other day. Believers were increasingly added, multitudes of men and women. There was explosive church growth in the first years after Christ's death. Soon, we'll have World War III followed by nuclear war, as described in Daniel 11, 40 through 45. Then comes the Great Tribulation, Daniel 11, 32. Those who know their God shall be strong and carry out exploits. If you study that section, it's during the Tribulation. So, in the Tribulation, those who know their God, right now, we're not in Tribulation, but we are the people who know God. People who are keeping Feast of Tabernacles on the eighth day and Sabbath, they know their God because they know what He said, and they're doing what He said, and they're bearing fruit according to what He said. Right? So, verse 33, those who understand what God is doing, what God expects of us, how He expects us to overcome, right, shall instruct many during the tribulation. Now, when the tribulation starts, we can be strong and instruct many. Those in the Jesus team are bearing kingdom fruit now, and there'll be more to be born ahead of time in the future. Coach Jesus is helping us with our spiritual tenets. We are serving and sending love to God and to neighbors. Now, the two witnesses are going to preach for three and a half years, do miracles, get respect, can't be killed, end up killing those who try to kill them, preaching this gospel, this gospel, the pure truth gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth into all the world, you suppose there'll be any converts? There'll be converts all over the place. Your Baptist friends who study their Bible, and when they come to, like, no man has ascended to heaven, their brains sort of shut down, they blink, and they go on to the next verse. And when the two witnesses say, now stop on that verse and read it again, because we're doing miracles, they say, oh, miracles. Sodom and Gomorrah would still have been around in Jesus' day if the miracles done in Capernaum by Jesus had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah. Even Sodom and Gomorrah people can be reached with miracles. And so the two witnesses will be doing incredible miracles. Those of us who are strong and know our God will instruct many. Now, you know, all the new saints that get killed by the beast power, what happens to them? Where do they go? Into the first resurrection. They had a short life in the church. They believed. They overcame. They, they died saying no to the beast power, and they're in the first resurrection. It, church explosion is going to happen before Christ comes back to earth. 
And, and that parable where they, they go out and work in the vineyard for 12 hours, and then the others go out and work for one hour towards the end of the day. And then Jesus says, here, you get the same amount as the guys who went out for 12 hours. And they go, wait a minute, we've been robbed. <laughs> he said, I'm merciful. It's in my power to give them whatever I want to give them. And so we got to be careful. You know, we might have been in the church 40, 50 years and, and overcome year after year after year, right? And they just believe Jesus, and this is great, and, so, and they get killed by the beast power, and boom, they're right in the, in the kingdom of heaven, right there. Wow, isn't God fabulous? Isn't God merciful, right? So we're serving and sending love to God and neighbors. We are becoming coaches, teaching others about spiritual tennis. After Daniel 11:45 comes Daniel 12, verse 1. The huge mistake in creating chapter 12 of Daniel is still part of Daniel 11. It says when the, that's when the tribulation begins. And at the time of the end, just after World War III and nuclear, and nuclear war, comes the worst time of trouble ever. We call it the tribulation. The two witnesses will preach this gospel into all the world. We can be strong and help them instruct people because they'll be in Jerusalem and people will be down the street from where we live. And they'll Google, if Google is still running, and they'll say, where's the Sabbath church? And they might even know that you're Sabbath keepers. And they might see the two witnesses on TV and they might come knock on your door and say, hey, you've been a Sabbath keeper. Help me learn. They're teaching. I believe them. I want to learn. Help me. Tell me the story. Explain to me. We can be strong, we can instruct many. The church of God will experience explosive growth. Ian has asked me if I would uh, finish out the last few minutes of his message with a song. And the irony is I was thinking of doing this song anyway at this feast. And it's incredible how the spirit works and bringing things together for us. The song is called Find Us Faithful. And it is a prayer and it is a hope that in that day we will all be found faithful before him.
of the narrow road And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud Of witnesses Let us run the race Not only for the prize but as those who've gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Find us faithful After all our hopes and dreams Have come and gone And our children sift Through all we've left behind May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their To obey, oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire. Find us faith.